The following program is paid for by Absolute Mortgage, a division of Finance of America Mortgage, LLC, Equal Housing Lender, NMLS 1071, AZBK 0910184. Tina Mitchell, MLO 145420, is a licensed loan originator with Absolute Mortgage. Visit absoluteloans.com or call 888-90-HOMES for cost information. You're listening to The Money Hour with your host, Tina Mitchell, sponsored by Absolute Mortgage, a division of Finance of America Mortgage. Now in the studio, local mortgage and finance expert, Tina Mitchell. Welcome to The Money Hour on 1150 AM KKNW, the Saturday, October 15th show. I am your host and mortgage expert, Tina Mitchell. Each week I share expert advice and inside knowledge on today's events in our local economy and how it affects your money. If you're hearing my show at a different time or day, you are listening to a rebroadcast, but I'm here to answer any questions that you have or connect you with the guests that I have on the show today. Please call at one 855 Again, that's one 855 or online at themoneyhour.com. And my lineup for the show today, Carrie Scott with John L. Scott, the state of the real estate market. Also in studio, I have Trisha Tomlinson with Staging and Design Network. Shared rental pool and resale gallery for realtors and consumers. Last guest in studio, John Walker with Walker Appraisal. Diminished value, loss of use, and direct repair. We're going to be talking about making some money from the insurance companies. Great information and great guest in studio today. For more information on any topics discussed, please call the show at one 855 411 Again, that's one 855 400 1150 or online at com. And to start out the show, here's my money chat. Money. Money. Today I'm going to stick in my own arena and talk about escrow holdbacks. An escrow holdback is when the lender holds back funds for a buyer and or seller to have work completed on a property after closing. The reason you may need to do this is the lender is requiring work on a property to be completed prior to the loan actually closing and the seller is not willing or able and you would never put money into a home before you actually own it. If you're looking at a home that is listed as is, there is there's typically there's issues with the property, the issue that again would need to be completed prior to the mortgage closing. What about the appraiser coming back with work orders? An escrow holdback may just save the deal and keep it together. You need to check with your bank as not all banks offer escrow holdbacks. So if there's something you're interested, you want to make sure up front that they can do this. The work has been called by the appraiser. It has to have been called by the appraiser, not just cosmetics. So you can't do an escrow holdback where the bank is going to be holding money back to do work on the property after closing, unless it's something that's actually been called by the appraiser that needs to be completed. So it's something that has to be done prior to the bank actually funding and closing on that loan. So it can't just be cosmetic. That's a whole other conversation where you're getting into rehab loans. Um, it's, it, this is available, escrow holdbacks, with conventional FHA, VA, or USDA loans. Now, issues that may come up with an appraiser going out to the property, missing handrails, cracked or damaged exit doors, cracked window glass, defected floor finisher coverings, uh, maybe there's rotten or worn out uh, countertops, crawl space with uh, trash or debris, missing appliances, leaking or worn roofs, evidence of structural problems, uh, defected interior exterior paint surfaces, uh, exposed electrical outlet covers, heating plumbing, plumbing or electrical issues are just a few that I wanted to list there for you. Now, the requirements for an escrow uh, hold back you do need to get three bids 
holdback uh, typically is going to be set up at one and a half of the middle bid. Sometimes there uh, would be an exception if you've got a signed contract with the contractor provided. Uh, There's usually a minimum repair, maybe $250 up to a maximum repair. Now, this is going to be different depending on the lender, uh, what their escrow holdbacks look like, like, but it may look possibly at 10% being a maximum, whatever the purchase price is. So if you're purchasing a home for 500000 the escrow holdback at 10, 10% would mean the work could not exceed $50,000. Now, the lender's going to have a holdback fee, maybe a few hundred dollars for that. Um, typically, the maximum is 30 days for the work to be completed. So it's important that you know what the requirements are for that so that you're not losing out any of that one and a half that's paid up front. Um, if the work's not completed, then the lender is going to utilize that from that money that's uh, that's been held in the escrow holdback. Uh, locks must cover the holdback period. So this is really important because if it's going to take 30 days to do the work, you're not if, you, if you're closing on 30 days and you're locking on 30 days, you're locking is going to expire before that work's going to be completed. So the lender is going to have a fee associated to extending that, which is going to be a lot more expensive than just locking for a 60-day period. Now, if the seller's paying with net proceeds, uh, must be aware that uh, 0.5% may be at risk if the, for the cost if they go over. So you can have the seller buyer pay a percentage of the work or um, all of it can just be uh, negotiated in the process. So after the work is completed, there's going to be a 442, which is the appraiser going back out to the work to ensure that the work's been done, it's been done properly. Uh, so they'll take photos and provide that back to the bank. Uh, final invoices must be provided if the invoices have been paid, proof of payments required, if the invoices need to be paid, you'll have a tax ID number for the contractor is required. So you'll also need to provide additional inspection requirements or permits if needed. At this time, the 1.5% will be refunded or the remaining portion after the contractor has been paid. So again, an escrow holdback is a great way to keep a deal together if an appraiser is calling to have work completed, which is going to be required prior to that loan uh, being completed. So that's the purpose of an escrow holdback. So hopefully that'll help some of my sellers and buyers listening to the show today. Uh, Coming up next in the money are what's the state of our local real estate market? Well, I have Carrie Scott with Channel Scott going to give us a breakdown right here on 1150 AM KKNW after the short break. Are you in the process of selling your home? What improvements should you do before you list your home to bring the highest and best price? Should you paint, replace your carpets, put in a new front door, or take down family pictures? You don't want to spend money needlessly, but you want potential buyers to be able to picture themselves living in your home and not thinking about what they would need to improve on before they could move in. Carrie Scott from John L. Scott Real Estate answers these questions every day to help her clients decide what to do to get their home ready to sell. There's not a lot of inventory in the market today, and if you do everything possible to get your home ready to sell, you will be guaranteed the highest price the market will bear and leave no money on the table. Carrie Scott will get every dollar possible because you have done everything ahead of time to ensure that. Here's a testimonial from a client selling their home. Carrie was exceptional in helping us sell our home. In addition to being very knowledgeable, professional, and efficient, she was also very hardworking. She had some great instincts on how to get the most from our sale, and she was wonderful at communicating throughout the whole entire process. We could not have asked for more as she exceeded our hopes and our expectations in every way. We give her our highest recommendation. 
I'm Carrie Scott, and I would welcome the opportunity to work with you in buying or selling your home. You can reach me at 206-799-8343. I'm here to help. You're listening to The Money Hour with your host, Tina Mitchell. Sponsored by Absolute Mortgage, a division of Pinnacle Capital Mortgage Corporation. Now, in the studio, local mortgage and finance expert, Tina Mitchell. Welcome back to The Money Hour with your host and mortgage expert, Tina Mitchell, right here on 1150 AM KKNW, the Saturday, October 15th show. I am dedicated to you, my listener, providing you with the tools needed to make informed decisions decisions on matters that affect your money. If you're hearing my show at a different time or day, you are listening to a rebroadcast, but you can always call the show at one 855 Again, that's one 855 or online at themoneyhour.com for any questions from my guests or anything that you would like from uh, myself, your host. And right now, my conversation is with Carrie Scott, with John L. Scott. We're going to be talking about the state of the real estate market here in our local market. Carrie, thank you so much for coming back and joining me in studio. Thanks for having me, Tina. And a little bit about Carrie. Carrie is top 1% John L. Scott agents for 2015, President Elite Award for Outstanding Production 2010 through 2015. Five-star real estate agent award, Seattle Magazine, certified luxury home marketing specialist, accredited staging professional, international associates, home staging professional, uh, certified quality, quality street agent, group leader, mentor for Brian Buffini, regional manager, team member for Brian Buffini, and member of John L. Scott Foundation, peak group leader experience, and peak performer class facilitator. Carrie has lived and conducted business in the Seattle metro area for the past 20 years. She's recognized as one of the top agents in Seattle metro area. 90% of her business is repeat and referral due to her Nordstrom quality of service. Carrie uses her time, energy, and resources to invest in client relationships. Her approach of investing in clients give them the trust and confidence to not only use her again, but to refer her to their family, friends, and associates. Uh, Carrie's team includes Lynn Sterling, her full-time licensed assistant, who also offers you top-notch service, a wealth of knowledge, and willing spirit to do whatever it takes to get the job done. She is also consistently in the top 1% of John L. Scott company-wide 2000 through 2015, and I'm sure it's going to roll right into 2016, <laughs> uh, Carrie. So wealth of experience and knowledge that you have, and uh, really excited to kind of break down what you think the stage of the market is here uh, in our market for um, uh, Seattle. What or um, the Pacific Northwest? What has the market been doing through 2016? Give uh, give us a uh, recap for that, Carrie. Well, after 2015, we thought we woke up on January 1st of 2016 and said, "Oh my God, can we do this again?" Mm-hmm. And it started off a little bit slower, like first January and February, because there just was no inventory. And then a few things started to perk up and people say, well, when do the houses show up? And I say, when the tulips and the flowers show up and daylight's a little longer, so do mm-hmm. the buyers and sellers. Yes. And that that really deemed to be true because we started about March and suddenly inventory started coming up and then the buyers were ready and eager and they've been waiting a few months. And that's when we've had all these insane bidding wars yes. and people offering between 8 and 22% over the asking price. And one house may have 14 pre-inspections and... Buyers were going to their parents and getting money and when they because they, they knew they had to have financing, but to be mm-hmm. competitive with a the seller, there was so much cash in our market. Yes. We have a very huge international market that's coming in where there's lots and lots of cash. 
and the hometown people were really having a hard time competing with all those suitcases of money coming from other countries. Yeah. So they got creative. Yes. Well, and you know, since last year in, in my arena with mortgages, we were asking about interest rates because every year the anticipation is interest rates have to go up. And so that's one of the cause of what's happening in the real estate market, lack of inventory, low cost to borrow causes just not enough properties to go around for everybody. But people were still getting mortgages. They were still getting mortgages, yes. But what they yes. were doing is they were like taking their retirement or they were um, borrowing money from a, from a family mm-hmm. member and then immediately at closing having their mortgage consultant like you yes. come and get them a mortgage and they pay their family back. Yeah, that's, you know, it's just even to think about that of, of going out and, and really having the ability to come up with $500,000 cash, mm-hmm. a resource to do that. And it's funny that you say that because, um, uh, you know, I've I, I've heard that strategy before where uh, consumers, it's, they would never have, have thought to need to do that or even have the resources. And it's amazing how many actually do. So, uh, Carrie, what about the market now? So where are we right now today? Well, I think this year in 2016, we peaked in May, June, and July, where we just had record numbers of sales. In fact, we're having a little appraiser shortage, so it's yes. been harder to get the appraisers out there because mm-hmm. there's been buyers have really wanted to take advantage of this market, and sellers have too, because the prices are up, and the buyers were pretty much doing everything they could with handstands in your front yard to make you want to take their offer. Yes. So then we hit into August, and that's always a seasonal slowdown that we always see a little bit of people on vacation, people, mm-hmm. you know, they're getting their kids ready to go back to school. But it slowed down, and then it picked back up in September again. And my market times right now are between four and seven days average. Yeah. Still, we're not getting like 14 offers. Well, I was just going to say, I've noticed, unless it's just my clients, but it seems like there's not as many, there's multiple offers, but not the 14. And, and no pre-inspections. So why, why is that, Carrie? Why are we seeing, because there's no more inventory. I mean, the inventory is not improved. So how come there are less people making an offer on the same property? Is it because we're getting into the holidays? Well, I think that it's an election year. So let's talk about that. What? How is the election year affecting uh, real estate? Well, statistically, every time we have uh, an opportunity to have a new presidential, uh-huh. uh, you know, what do I want to say, candidate or yes. elected president, mm-hmm. The economy, people, there's a little consumer confidence issues that come up where people think, well, what's going to happen if their person doesn't get put in the White House? Yes. And so people sit back and they look and they just kind of they just kind of kick it back a little bit and they just want to pay attention, keep their money where they know where it's going to be yeah. so they can feel confident that whatever happens, they can weather the storm of whatever happens in the White House. Yeah. So, so I've, a call to action really is because real estate has always been the safest investment and I can't think of a better place to put it unless you're doing a short term and trying to flip a home, a whole other conversation. But if you're going to be in real estate, if you're buying and selling, if you're a renter, thinking about being a first time home buyer, do it right now because there's not that same craziness out there. And once we get through the election and we get through the holidays, mm-hmm. um, you're going to be out doing the exact same thing that everybody else is. So take a little twist, right? Right. Things I, a little different. I don't see us in the Northwest really having an issue right now because our, our job growth is huge. Yes. There's like 107 new um, tall buildings being built mm-hmm. downtown Seattle. You know, Google, Expedia, Facebook, um, Starbucks, Microsoft, those are the anchors. Amazon, yes. they're hiring thousands of people a month. I work with a ton of relocations that come from all over the world to work for some of these companies. Mm-hmm. And our market is really strong, and that's why we still have kind of a shortage of inventory. Yes. And for the buyers that are saying, I'm just going to go out and take advantage of what's happening right now, they can almost, they don't have to be like, 
you know, hurry, get, set, go, and then think about what you did later. They sure. can they can just have more, they can have the collective exhale and think, okay, I'm going to have an inspection and mm-hmm. I'm not going to give away my firstborn child. And yes. <laughs> I'm actually going to just do this in a nice, timely manner. And for me, I've enjoyed it more. When you have market times mm-hmm. that are like two days, that's stressful. Yes. When you have four to seven or maybe four to 10 days on market, it just makes the process so much more enjoyable for a buyer and for the seller. Yeah, great, great advice. So, Carrie, with the um, the trends that are happening, any any other trends that are happening that's uh, that's showing where our market's going to be going? Maybe uh, you know into next year. Well, as long as the interest rates stay as lovely as uh-huh. they've been, and our our continued growth and job opportunities here in the Northwest are here, I just think we're going to s- still keep tracking. Now, yes. I know I have a lot of friends in California where their market, the Bay Area, is a lot slower. Mm-hmm. Their price points still a lot higher, and they've had they've kind of hit critical mass where we're still building in our city, and they have really nowhere to go. Yeah. So I I don't see us slowing down. And before when we had the slowdown in two thousand eight through t- through through 2012, we were like the people in the bubble. And they kept thinking mm-hmm. the Northwest is in this bubble and eventually it's going to burst. But it really never did. We we had a, we had a slowdown, but we had the slowest ride on that slow train. Yes. Um, and then we were back up and going again. So yep. I don't see in the near future, We I don't see us having a slowdown. I really don't. So one of my listeners uh, was asking you right now today, should I be purchasing? Absolutely. Less competition. Okay. You can keep your heart ba- beat at a, at a normal pace as you go through Not your paying transaction. paying $400 per pre-inspection for 10 homes or whatever it takes yes, to get your offer accepted. because some buyers were buying, were, were paying for inspectors to come and they're like $500 at a pop and they were doing it on four houses. So yeah. there's a few thousand dollars that just went into air. Yes. And, you know, investing in a house that they're never going to truly own. So right now with interest rates the way they are and not everyone's ready to jump in the pool because we are in, you know, we'll know in a week or two about our election. But um, <laughs> until then, I just, you know, not even till then, beyond that, just press forward. We on the Northwest are have such a strong economy right now. Mm-hmm. We're voted the number one economy in the entire country. Yeah, pretty a pretty amazing place to uh, to buy without a doubt. Uh, what about sellers? If they're if they're asking you, should we list now? Should we wait till after the holidays? Wait till after the election? Uh, what are you advising your sellers right now well, today? There's still a ton of buyers out there, and they can take advantage of that. Now, are they going to see the escalations of eight to twenty two percent? Probably mm-hmm. not. But will they? Are we going to see a price below market value? Absolutely not. It's more of a it's more of a real market for sellers, and because there is still a lot of buyers out there. I still will have two and three offers. I just won't have five to 15. Yes. So with those two to three offers, what is the strategy now in that smaller multiple offer environment um, for your buyers to stand out? Well, I mean, when I'm on the selling side, you know, I love the pre-inspection, but when I'm on Uh the buyer's side, um, you know, I encourage them to do that because they will stand out then. Okay. So, you know, it's not like everybody's doing it, though. And a lot of sellers, which I really appreciate, they're having a pre-inspection conducted on their house prior to putting it on the market, and then they give that information and share it with all the buyers that are of interest. Because they found a lot of these sellers found that their houses were getting beat up having 14 inspectors. Yeah, to have all those inspectors. It's just crazy. And I, you know, as a seller, why not uh, be able to see what's going on with your home before you put it on the market and get those things addressed and taken care of? Because if it comes up during, especially if there's not a pre-inspection, if it comes Mm -hmm. up during the inspection, 
inspection process, it's a lot harder to negotiate what you're, once you're under, uh, under contract. And I think, too, if you're representing a buyer, really talk to that listing agent. Befriend them. Yes. Um, really say, how many offers are you having? You know, when I get those offers that come in and there's no cover sheet and it's just faxed or emailed to me mm-hmm. and they call me like a day and a half later and say, well, what are you going to do? It's yeah. Like, you know, really re- have good representation. Someone who really has your best interest, who's seasoned, who's professional and can really negotiate on your behalf. So on that note, Carrie, uh, when you're uh, talking with buyers if, in finding out how to find that great agent, how do you know that? How do you know that they're, you know, they're going to be representing themselves with the other realtors um, at a high level to where they're, you know, they want to accept their client's offer, that they're going to be doing best for their client? What are some things to uh, watch for, questions to ask when interviewing? I think, I think talk to your friends that have gone through the process recently Mm -hmm. and ask them who they've worked with because a warm referral of someone who knows you, likes you, and knows the quality of work that you have is always greater than picking somebody off the internet. Sure. But that said, millennials like to do things online a lot. And so if you have a good internet presence and they can read actual reviews about you, that is really super helpful because it's not really what the agent's going to say. I think it's more important what the people that they work with say about them and how they work together. Of course. And Carrie, I know you guys are doing amazing things with uh, with your and your team. What do you do that sets yourself aside that you're able to have your business up at the top 1% of the industry? Well, you know, my clients are my friends and I've been been selling real estate now um, 17 years in the Seattle market. And I just want them to have such a great experience that I want them to be a walking, talking billboard about how uh-huh. my team and I and my team's grown. We now have a showing agent. We have a, we have a staging manager. And so um, we just want everyone to, when they say real estate, I want them to immediately say my name, Carrie Scott, John yes. L. Scott. But whoever anyone's working with, you know, I, I want you to have that same experience, too. Like if you work with someone with another agency and you love them, tell people about it because that's yes. what makes our world go around. And that's yeah. what really takes care of the buyers and sellers. So before I wrap up my uh, time with you, Carrie, uh, for a seller, because it's a different hat that you're putting on, you represent both buyers and sellers. A uh, majority of agents do, but it's a completely different hat that you're putting on and representing mm-hmm. a seller. So what are you doing that's unique with your team to provide a higher level of service for your sellers, ultimately netting them? more money selling the home in less time well when I sit down with them I I find out what their objectives are is you know is this your home is it your family's home is it an estate Mm -hmm. how much time do you have to move what's the condition of your home and if what is your goal on a scale of one to ten is your goal to get the very most money that you can for it Uh and if they say yes I say well then these are the things I would recommend you doing because the more objections you take away from a buyer coming in that's going to look around your house and say you need to do this and that whether it's paint or carpet or new lighting fixtures or landscaping. Maybe you need to do pressure washing. Maybe that garage needs cleaning out. Mm. And so I have a whole systematic way and I have a huge network of great service providers that I put my name to that most of them have worked in my own house or through all my friends and family's houses that I put my name to that do a great job for my clients. So if they say kick it in, yes, what do we need to do? Then I give them my honey-do list. Yes. And then I help them manage it. And a lot of these, a lot of my clients, they don't live in the houses. I've maybe sold them something else, and then we come in and do it the house after they've moved right. out. Or some of them just don't have the time to do it. So I offer a huge amount of different service options that is included in just my regular listing fee, mm-hmm. which I think is a real bonus to them because I know if we're willing to do the work on the front side, yes, they will net more on the back side. Yes, definitely. Well, Carrie, thank you so much for joining me back in studio. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Tina. Great to see you. Thanks for having me. Of course. 
Coming up next on the Money Hour, are you a rural tour that offers staging? How do you manage the logistics of storing, manage and moving those home furnishings to and from staging and design projects? You don't have to. Trisha Tomlinson with Staging and Design Network right here at 1150 AM KKNW after this short break. Are you in the process of selling your home? What improvements should you do before you list your home to bring the highest and best price? Should you paint, replace your carpets, put in a new front door, or take down family pictures? You don't want to spend money needlessly, but you want potential buyers to be able to picture themselves living in your home and not thinking about what they would need to improve on before they could move in. Carrie Scott from John L. Scott Real Estate answers these questions every day to help her clients decide what to do to get their home ready to sell. There's not a lot of inventory in the market today, and if you do everything possible to get your home ready to sell, you will be guaranteed the highest price the market will bear and leave no money on the table. Carrie Scott will get every dollar possible because you have done everything ahead of time to ensure that. Here's a testimonial from a client selling their home. Carrie was exceptional in helping us sell our home. In addition to being very knowledgeable, professional, and efficient, she was also very hardworking. She had some great instincts on how to get the most from our sale, and she was wonderful at communicating throughout the whole entire process. We could not have asked for more as she exceeded our hopes and our expectations in every way. We give her our highest recommendation. I'm Carrie Scott, and I would welcome the opportunity to work with you in buying or selling your home. You can reach me at 206-799-8343. I'm here to help. Have you recently purchased a home and are wondering how you can make it your home with a fresh new design on a budget? If so, we have the answer. Go visit the Design Center at Staging and Design Network. You'll have access to award-winning design services, new and used furnishings at up to 50% off retail, and membership is only $60 a year. They work with thousands of interior designers and professional home stagers. They also create model homes for high-end builders. Go online to staginganddesignnetwork.com, all spelled out, and become a wholesale member or visit their showroom in Kirkland. The address and directions are listed on their website. It's located in an industrial park where you would never expect. You'll consider Staging and Design Network a hidden treasure after your first visit. This is Trisha Tomlinson with Staging and Design Network. Our phone number is 425-272-4430. That's 425-272-4430. And you can find us online at www.staginganddesignnetwork.com. All spelled out. You're listening to The Money Hour with your host, Tina Mitchell. Sponsored by Absolute Mortgage, a division of Pinnacle Capital Mortgage Corporation. Now, in the studio, local mortgage and finance expert, Tina Mitchell. Welcome back to The Money Hour with your host and mortgage expert, Tina Mitchell, right here on 1150 AM KKNW, the Saturday, October 15th show. I build a network of elite industry professionals every week sharing their knowledge and expertise with my listeners. If you're hearing my show at a different time or day, you are listening to a rebroadcast. To talk with the guests that I have in studio or have a chat with me, call the show at 1-855-411-50. Again, that's 1-855-411-50 or online at themoneyhour.com. And in studio right 
right now. I'm going to have a conversation with Trisha Tomlinson with Staging and Design Network. Trisha, thank you so much for joining me back in studio. Uh, thank you, Trisha. It's great to be here. And a little bit about uh, Trisha. She's founder and CEO of Staging and Design Network. Staging and Design Network hosts the first online B2B shared rental commerce. This platform is changing the way home stagers operate their business and how consumers buy home furnishings. Staging and Design Network provides a patent-pending online inventory management software solution helping home stagers, realtors, builders, and designers more effectively manage their home furnishing inventory. First location launched two and a half years ago, planning for expansion into other markets, uh, has been awarded business in service of the year 2013 by National Real Real Estate Staging Association. And congratulations, uh, Tricia, because I just found out you're actually opening a new location in Everett, right? Yes, in December. Very exciting. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'd like to just, um, for my listeners to know, how long ago was it that you opened up Staging and Design Network? We actually opened in 2012. I know, it's crazy what you guys have done. Yeah, thank you. It's It's been quite a journey, uh, developing the technology and all the systems, processes, and procedures creating the first shared rental pool in the marketplace for home furnishings. It's been really fun. Yeah. So share with my listeners, uh, describe describe the community of staging and design network. Well, it's a member-based community uh, developed for realtors, interior designers, uh, professional stagers, and builders, and their clients, all for the purpose of staging homes for sale. So We've created the first shared rental pool where members can bring in their home furnishings or come to our design center and buy home furnishings to put into the shared rental pool. And uh, the great thing about it is new stagers can start staging by renting from established stagers and established stagers uh, receive a great return on their investment of home furnishings. And I'm really big, as you uh, know, one of the uh, workshops that I uh, coach realtors on how to one-time their business is really taking your business model the highest efficiency level possible. And I just think what you've done is taking the staging process to the highest efficiency level possible because for realtors to be um, storing that furniture and lugging it from home to home, it's just, it's, it's a lot when there's so much more that needs to be done. And I just think it's a, a, a brilliant um, idea that you came up with. And you're st- you guys are still the only one that's doing this in the way that you're doing it, correct? Well, it's not really... Do you have any competitors out there? No. I mean, I think the challenging part is managing the inventory. It's really... Uh-huh. Um, it, it's pretty much impossible to do without the technology that we've created. Yes. Um, if, if you look at a single rental that goes out with 50 different pieces on it, uh, it's likely that 50 different people own that. those furnishings, Mm -hmm. which means that we're paying 50 different people rental income from a single order. So take that and multiply it times thousands of orders across the country. And it's just not possible without the technology. Yeah. Awesome. So your tagline on your website is share, grow, inspire. Can you explain? Yeah. Well, we developed the model to help stagers scale an an unscalable business. So uh, by sharing resources, like I mentioned a moment ago, um, in the shared rental pool, they're able to actually scale their business uh, through the shared rental pool. Um, Grow your business, that's uh, just kind of grow your business and Uh we're in the process of growing ours as well. And then Inspire Design, uh, one of the things that is exciting to us is um, we do a pretty heavy screening of the inventory coming into our rental pool. So the stagers that are working uh, through our rental pool have 
the best furnishings available in the marketplace for yeah. staging a home. And when you have great tools to work with, you can really uh, do a beautiful job of staging a home. And it's inspirational. You walk into a home and you see it's beautiful and mm-hmm. people are now buying those furnishings. The home buyers are. And uh, so it's it's an inspiring design. Well, it's the first time I've heard. So they're actually going in, the home's being staged and the buyer is deciding this is looking, this looks so great. I'm just going to buy the furniture from you after purchasing the home. Yes, that's one of the new things that's ah, happening in the marketplace. Okay. Um, when you walk through a home, particularly a home that, that's been staged through a stager with Staging and Design Network, those home furnishings are typically available for sale. Yeah, so wow. we uh, at we, wholesale, of course, because your furnishings are at, at member prices. Member prices, yeah, yes, exactly. So and you know why not buy those home furnishings? The yeah. home's already been professionally designed, yes. and you know it's a, it's just a great opportunity. That's wonderful. So how do your members share resources? Explain that to my listeners. So. Um, Carrie uh, is a stager here. She probably has a warehouse full of furniture, and she may get to the point in her business where she's decided, gosh, I I don't want to manage inventory. I want to mm-hmm. focus on being a realtor. So she might bring her inventory into our network, and we photograph, measure it, barcode it, upload it to the member account page, give her an account page that she can look at, see the status of her inventory in real time, whether it's out on rent, uh, if it has, if it's out on rent, how many days it's out on rent, uh-huh. uh, if she sold it, if she's buying new inventory, et cetera, so that she can uh, just leave all of the inventory logistics to us. Uh, she can go online, put together a rental. Uh, we deliver the inventory the day that she's ready to stage, and then when the project is sold, we come back, pick it up, bring it back, put it in our warehouse, and she's done. Yeah, amazing. So let's talk about how that can help a professional taking that off of their plate in growing their business? Well, you only have so much time in the day. Yes. So where's your time most effectively spent when you're trying to grow your business? So uh, by, you know, focusing on the design part of it uh, and outreach to new clients, mm-hmm. it's a it's a great way to be able to grow your business rather than focusing on the $20 an hour work yes. managing inventory. Yeah, embrace your strengths and hire out mm-hmm. your weaknesses, mm-hmm. right? Uh, can you share your upcoming events? So we just brought on a national director of education and uh, we are doing Sip and Learns at Staging and Design Network. Which I've been to one of them, loved it. <laughs> and uh, her, the, you, you can find the list of events that we have on our website at okay. Staging and Design Network. But I think our next Sip and Learn is... November 7th, they're typically from 4 to four to 6, uh-huh. and uh, I think the topic next time is um, seven steps to a successful stage. Okay. Either, that, that, either that, it was the last one. We have so many great yeah, topics. So we, many great topics yeah, going on. We, we, we've had... Uh, just go to the website. So what's the yeah. website again, Trisha? Staginganddesignnetwork.com. Perfect. So yeah, definitely as a, a realtor, if you're listening to the show, because I know we have a, a huge listener base for my real estate partners out there, uh, definitely go take a look um, and get to some of those uh, educational programs um, and also connect with uh, Trisha and her company. So Trisha, I know that you're currently hiring and adding to your amazing company. What positions are you looking for? Well, we are opening our next location in Everett and we're scheduled to open in December. So we're looking for movers and drivers right now. We're also looking to add another interior designer to our staff. Um, And uh, we're also looking for um, 
uh, an admin person in the fulfillment center to uh, process orders. Okay, so if there, if somebody, if one of my listeners is listening, just go to the website and, and get information on that. Or how can they? Yeah, uh, or they can they can give us a call at our Kirkland Design Center. Uh, the number is four two five two seven two four four three zero. Press one hundred. You can ask for anyone, and they'll connect you to me. Perfect. Uh, so the type of employee that you're looking for, Tricia, for the company, what does that look like? Or who do they look like? Well, uh, that's that's a really great question because culture is such an important thing in what we're growing at Staging and Design Network. So the first things that we look for, somebody who's willing to engage their mind and their heart. And then mm-hmm. the next set of things that we look for, of course, skill set, but someone who really cares, someone who wants to come to work and... Um, grow personally and professionally and be a part of a great team. Great. Um, let's go back and, and talk about the inventory and the and the rental pool. So who is participating and putting into, can everybody put into that rental pool, uh, Tricia? Well, there's only so much room in our fulfillment centers uh-huh. and we generally have a lineup of inventory coming in. So <clears throat> we look for... Um, people who are going to be utilizing the rental pool. The purpose of our business is to help stagers grow their business and focus on doing what they love. So uh, typically we will bring people in who are going to use the shared rental pool. Uh And that seems to work best for us. We've had furniture companies call and want to put their inventory in. But, yeah. you know, like I said, we have limited. So it's a, it's really um, a, a selective group of people that are participating in the share and the growth of everybody that is part of the, um, the, the company and what you've put together. Absolutely. That's great. So let's talk a little bit about the resale gallery. How does that work? Well, we just had our um, biannual Stager Palooza last weekend. And typically this is a time where we're clearing out inventory, uh, making room for inventory coming back. So that means disc- discount time? Uh, heavy discount time, yes. actually. And quite a lot of donations that we make as well. I think we were focused on teen, home- teen homeless. Did I say that right? Teen homeless uh-huh. uh, for this last event. Um, we also have a resale gallery online. So if you go to Staging and Design Network, you'll see the rental pool, but you'll also see shop. And that's has a combination of new inventory for sale or new home furnishings for sale at member prices. And then also um, things that stagers are willing to part with because they're getting ready to upgrade their inventory or buy new inventory. They get, okay. they get bored with things, so they're yeah. always changing things out all the time. So in the uh, resale gallery, you've got new and uh, old. Resale. For, yeah, new and almost new. Yes. Okay. Yes. I was going to say old wasn't really the word that I <laughs> yeah. wanted to use. There, I mean, but it's barely yes. used. People have not, you know, lived with the furnishings. Yes, of course. So, so new and almost new. Um, so your online presence, um, can you share that with my uh, my listeners? Well, um, go to stagingandesignnetwork.com. You'll see the shared rental pool. You'll see okay. the resale gallery. You'll also see uh, the service directory, which is comprised of professionals in the industry, which includes great realtors, uh, stagers, interior designers, and typically services that a homeowner needs when they're getting ready to stage and sell their home. Okay. So as CEO of the company, any other uh, advice you want to give to uh, my listeners uh, out there? Absolutely. I think that um, you should come to the Design Center in Kirkland, Washington for Staging and Design Network. We uh-huh. Most people say, gosh, this is a hidden treasure because we have new furnishings for sale. It's in an ugly little industrial park where you'd never think to find us. And uh, it's, it's just a, it's a great place to come and buy furnishings or um, check out what we're doing. 
Sounds great. Trisha, thank you so much for uh, joining me in studio, having your team represent the, uh, the company. It's always nice uh, spending time with you. Thank you. Coming up next to the Money Hour, what is diminished value, loss of use, and direct repair? John Walker with Walker Appraisal, right here at 1150 AM KKNW after this short break. recently purchased a home and are wondering how you can make it your home with a fresh new design on a budget? If so, we have the answer. Go visit the Design Center at Staging and Design Network. You'll have access to award-winning design services, new and used furnishings at up to 50% off retail, and membership is only $60 a year. They work with thousands of interior designers and professional home stagers. They also create model homes for high-end builders. Go online to staginganddesignnetwork.com, all spelled out, and become a wholesale member or visit their showroom in Kirkland. The address and directions are listed on their website. It's located in an industrial park where you would never expect. You'll consider Staging and Design Network a hidden treasure after your first visit. This is Trisha Tomlinson with Staging and Design Network. Our phone number is 425-272-4430. That's 425-272-4430. And you can find us online at www.staginganddesignnetwork.com. All spelled out. You're listening to The Money Hour with your host, Tina Mitchell. Sponsored by Absolute Mortgage, a division of Pinnacle Capital Mortgage Corporation. Now, in the studio, local mortgage and finance expert, Tina Mitchell. Welcome back to The Money Hour with your host and mortgage expert, Tina Mitchell, right here at 1150 AM KKNW, the Saturday, October 15th show. I am here to empower our community, providing you with opportunities and solutions when it comes to your money. If you're hearing my show at a different time or day, you are listening to a rebroadcast. You can call the show at 1-855-411-50. Again, that's 1-855-411-50 or online at themoneyhour.com to discuss anything regarding money or talk with the guests that I have in studio today. Right now, I'm having a conversation with John Walker with Walker Appraisal. John, thank you so much for joining me in studio. Thanks for having me, Tina. And a little bit about uh, John. As a 12-year-old Boy Scout, John helped prep and paint his troop bus. He loved it. The experience left an incredible impression, which influenced and directed his uh, vocational path in life. At age 16, his first body shop job was painter helper at the car dealership. By 21, he achieved journeyman status. He spent a total of 15 years in collision and repair industry as a repair technician and general manager. To this day, he is very fond of the auto body industry, but has concerns about some influences that have reduced vehicle repair quality and safety. These concerns are based on actual hands-on field inspections. John worked 11 years in the insurance industry, estimating uh, collision damage, determining market values, and employee training. In 2001, he left the insurance industry to pursue being in business for himself as an independent expert. As an expert witness, John has been instrumental in helping a variety of clients with collision repair and market value disputes, loss of use, and diminished value. John is a genuine car guy. And I have to say, 
my husband actually found John. He was introduced by uh, one of our friends. And um, this is a total true story. My husband's truck literally blew up. So obviously it was totaled. And I think the insurance company was going to give him 12 grand or something for uh, value on his truck. He hired John and uh, I think it was you know, less than 600 bucks for his services. And we ended up getting, I don't know, like 22 grand or something. I mean, it was just crazy. So I thought I got to bring John in studio. I've never had a guest like this uh, in studio. And I just thought this show is all about money, how to make money and how to save money. Why is so he going to have a better quality of life with your uh, your family. And John, you personally saved my money, my family money. So I'm just really happy to have a conversation with you. Thanks for uh, joining me again in studio. Glad to help. And so give a little bit, um, share a little bit more about your, your background with my listeners. Well, I worked <clears throat> in the collision industry for 15 years. I was a general manager, so I, I learned the ins and outs of the business, especially as it pertained to insurance repair and insurance company relations mm-hmm. um, you know obviously I worked for the insurance industry for several years and that gave me a an eye-opening insight of what goes on in the insurance industry especially as it pertains to um, direct repair and valuing their policyholders or claimants vehicles so you had a behind the scenes of exactly what happened in in the uh, the insurance side of it with these claims yes so John what kinds of appraisal services do you provide I provide appraisal services for diminished value um, loss of use mm-hmm. for a vehicle when it's been in a shop there's loss of use uh, I also do just market values like I did for your husband yes so a diminished value uh, explain that as simply as I can, there's a value of a vehicle just before a collision. And then there's a value of that vehicle post repair. And the difference between those two values is the diminished value. Got it. So what factors qualify a vehicle for diminished value? <clears throat> well, for the individual that would own the vehicle, it, they cannot be at fault. Um, it needs to be a vehicle that has some value to it, and the damage needs to qualify for um, diminished value. So when I do a, <clears throat> when I qualify a repair to do a case, I always want to look over that final bill from the body shop to determine what happened in the repair. Okay. And then be able to determine if it has, you know, unavoidable residual physical damage as a result of that repair, and that is the the essence of diminished value for justifying a case. So John, let's talk about what would disqualify a diminished value case. Well, like I said, if it's your fault, um, it won't work out for you. Uh, uh, (laughs) If it's not enough damage, it could be a case with just too minor damage. Okay. It could be a leased vehicle. um, Or just the value of the vehicle overall is just too low. Um, and prior accidents plays a big role in this too. Okay. Uh, 
So a lot of lot of different factors in there. And, you know, let's talk about the timing because I can't remember, um, uh, you know, the exact timing with uh, with Dave, my husband's uh, truck. But it seemed to go really, really, really quickly and pretty painless because my husband can uh, kind of get a little anxious when he's got a lot of work on his plate. And it seemed like this was just said and done and, and taken care of. So how does that process work? Well, if you were claiming something against your own insurance company, you can invoke the appraisal clause. Now this clause is something that's in all Washington state automobile policies for a policyholder. So when you invoke that clause, you are going to get to hire an outside independent expert to assess the value of your claim. Okay. And then the insurance company likewise would hire their own appraiser and the two appraisers would reach an agreement hopefully on the value of the claim yes okay and uh yeah which with our process it it seemed to be pretty uh pretty painless so range of vehicles what range have you appraised diminished value on well i think the largest case i did was on a new lamborghini it was uh, oh my it was a half million dollar vehicle he had had it just a few months and was rear-ended and the diminished value on that was in the six digits. Okay. And he also had loss of use for the amount of time that the vehicle was in the shop for the repairs. So that was probably the largest claim. But I, I do a lot of everyday vehicles, you know, new Honda Accords, Toyota Camrys, mm-hmm. Ford F-150s. Chevy you know, trucks. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I realize that this isn't in the realm of real estate in terms of money, but certainly... Uh-huh. A vehicle can be, in most cases, your second largest investment. You know, and that, if it, oh, go ahead, John. I'm sorry for interrupting there. I'm just saying, you know, this this affects people's money. Yes. Uh, when, you, when you get in an accident, it's not your fault. And let's say you've got $10,000 of diminished value and you don't do anything about it. Mm-hmm. Sooner or later, you're going to sell that vehicle. Sure. You're going to trade it in. Are you going to sell it privately? But most people are going to want to know the history of the vehicle, run a Carfax on it. Mm -hmm. And if the vehicle's got a history or what we call a story to tell, um, it greatly reduces the value of the vehicle. So when you're, you've talked about, I want to back um, to the, the loss of the use of vehicle. So when you're, um, I do have a lot of realtors in studio. The show is really about anything that has to do with money, but I work with a lot of realtors. So um, I have a lot of them visit me here and share their expertise. But for them, I mean, that's costing a lot of money if they're without a vehicle in their line of work because they're spending all their time out there. So all of that is factored and played in when you're going through that, that claim for the different industries. Yes. Um, <clears throat> I mean, some some people will just want me to do a loss of use appraisal only, but mm-hmm. typically when I do an, another component of appraisal like diminished value or um, um, just a valuation dispute over what a vehicle's worth on the market, there there oftentimes can be loss of use. And what uh, what I find rather <clears throat> interesting is that the insurance industry is really good about putting you in a vehicle that's not comparable to the vehicle that you had. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, you know, if they put you in a vehicle that rents for $35 a day, when the open market value of your vehicle is worth $85 a day, mm-hmm. there's a difference there of quite a bit of money. Yes. And um, Which could actually, we're talking about realtors, it could affect their, um, uh, with their client in the type of vehicle that they're taking them around in. 
Yeah, uh, today, uh, before I came to the studio, I had a, a gal with a brand new Toyota Sienna, mm -hmm. 640 miles, got rear-ended, and the insurance company put her in a small, uh, compact Kia SUV mm. when she's got kids and family, and yeah, she, needed, huh. she needed the large capacity of a Toyota Sienna, so she's going to have some loss of use. Yes. So, uh, John, what should consumers understand about insurance direct repair? Yeah, this is probably the area that I'm the most compassion. I have the most uh, uh, passion about to do mm -hmm. for uh, my clients. And you know, if you were to just take a county like King County and look at all the body shops, say out of every 100 body shops that you see out there today, about five of those 100 are going to be true independent shops that do not do direct repair for the insurance industry. Okay. So the other ones are gonna be the shops that the insurance company recommends. Mm -hmm. And those shops are going to do the work um, for a discount and most of the time use parts that are not original equipment manufacturer parts on mm -hmm. the vehicle. And most every time I do a post repair inspection from one of these shops, there's issues with quality wow. on the vehicle. So I would highly recommend that when you do get into an accident, Yes, you may have diminished value, but it's also important to get the vehicle fixed at the right shop. Yes, of course. So, John, what has been your experience with the repair quality as it pertains to insurance direct repair? I mean, that's just kind of, you know, what we were talking about uh, about here. You know, I, I can liken it to managed health care. Yeah. Uh, you know, you've got an insurance industry as a whole that's controlling that industry. And you, you're not going to expect the quality and mm -hmm. you're not going to expect you cannot expect the shop to, to truly be looking out for your best interests yeah. when it's a direct repair shop. However, if it's a quality independent shop, their concern is to do the job correctly. And they will typically make sure that it's done correctly and that the insurance pays for those repairs. For what those repairs should be, yep. So John, loss of use, uh, let's talk about that okay. a, little bit, a little bit more. Sure. Uh, you know, there, there's some definite case law in the books about loss of use. And, you know, back years ago, you know, you'd, you'd pay somebody $20, $25 a day for every day they're without their vehicle. Mm -hmm. well, that uh, doesn't work anymore in the state of Washington. Nowadays, if you have a vehicle that has an open market use value of the $85 and they put you in a vehicle that's not comparable, then you would be entitled to the difference. Some people, when they get into a wreck and they don't want to accept a lesser vehicle, they'll just drive another vehicle that they have in their garage. Yeah. So they never use a rental. So they would still be entitled to that open market use value of their vehicle while it's in the shop. Okay. All right. So um, if if a client's listening to listeners listening to the show right now and they're they're thinking, wow, I didn't even know this existed and this representation and this service, um, what is the first thing that you need to be doing? Um, it, is it immediately when something happens, they're connecting with you and you're kind of taking over that process or are they going through the insurance company first and getting that, that package put together and then bringing it to you to, um, to review and make sure that it's fair? Most of the time when I get involved with diminished value dis dispute, um, the vehicle has already been in the shop and repaired. Uh, I like it if I can have some sort of uh, headway on 
when the vehicle's going to go into a shop so I can help a, a client get into a, a good shop. Got it. But, uh, you know, I need a copy of the, the final bill from the body shop. That's always helpful. And I'm going to qualify the case. And not every case that comes my way will I accept. I mean, I'd say 50% of what comes my way ends up materializing into a case because there's different factors that just don't, it does not qualify the case. Sure. So, and in, in on that note, then, is there is there initial fee to, to see if it's, if you're going to take on that case, or how does that, how does that work? Uh, I don't charge an upfront fee to disqualify a case for somebody. So, 100% of people come in and they can talk with you, you know, no fee at all, 50% it's going to work out. Yeah, and then if they decide to sign up, then I charge the flat rate fee for the service yes. that I provide. Yeah. Well, John, I just I just think it's an amazing service. Um, and obviously, I can, you know, you can tell that you've got passion in what you do. Uh, you've got the expertise uh, behind it to really fight for the consumer, which we really need that. And that's been proven we need that in our, with our cars and dealing with the insurance companies. So, John, thank you again for joining me in studio. It was a, it was a pleasure having you here. And thank you again for saving my family a chunk of change. Thank you. This is your host and mortgage expert, Tina Mitchell, signing off for the day. Enjoy the rest of your Saturday and enjoy the rest of your weekend. I'll be here same time, same place next Saturday, right here on 1150 AM KKNW. The preceding program is paid for by Absolute Mortgage, Division of Finance of America Mortgage, LLC, Equal Housing Lender, NMLS 1071, AZBK 0910184. Tina Mitchell, MLO 145420, is a licensed loan originator with Absolute Mortgage. Visit absoluteloans.com or call 888-90-HOMES for cost information.